We'll be here with you guys for four hours today. And the absolute first thing I want to talk about, of course, is the World Series last night and the crazy call that took place during that game. Uh, Trey Turner is running down, running toward first base after what could have been a hit, I guess, and he gets hit in the back with the ball. Uh, there's a huge debate uh, going on as to whether or not he was in the right space that he should be in while running to first base and whether or not he caused the, the issue with getting hit uh, by the, the throw. It was a really interesting situation because then we go to commercial, the umpire's on the headset, and you think they're reviewing the call in New York, but they're not, actually. They're debating whether or not they can, which to me is kind of like the most interesting thing with replay now, that rules in every single sport allow for us to, to challenge some things and not challenge other things. Uh, if you remember last year, one of the teams trying to make it to the Super Bowl winds up having a crazy call go against them during a pass interference that I, I believe couldn't wind up being reviewed because of what it was, and it stands. And in this same case, what happened was they decided they couldn't even review the play. Then the Nationals wanted to protest, which means you play the rest of the game under a protest, saying you don't agree with an official decision, but you have to play anyway, and they weren't allowed to do that. Because the play is not reviewable, a team can't protest. So there was a five-minute attempted protest uh, that didn't happen. Anyway, the Nationals go on to win the game. They actually score in that inning, which to me was was good. I, I think that if you're an official, and I'd love for someone to call in and tell me. I think we actually have a few in the building, too. And I know Greg uh, is around, and, and he would have a strong opinion on this, too. So maybe if Greg wants to swing in studio, yes, I'm talking to you on the radio, Greg. If you want to come in here and give me more information about it, that'd be great. Uh, but my impression of being an official is the last thing you want to do is decide a game. That's the last thing you want to do. You do not want to have your decision be why a team wins or loses. You'd like to be in the background as much as you can for essentially the entirety of the game. Any good call you make will never be celebrated. There, I don't think I can think of a single time when we celebrated a really great call. Like, yes, they avoided something terrible. This is great. So essentially anyone that agrees to that job, to be an official, to be an umpire, to be anything where you're calling uh, a game, you really only have one, dis one opportunity to be national news. And it's if you screw up. You will never be national news if you succeed at that job. And so I, I assume every single official, the absolute most important thing going into the game, they would say it to their friends, hey, or they'd say it to the, other, the rest of the crew, let's not be national news tomorrow. It's actually interesting. I worked with a guy in radio that used to say that every morning when he woke up. It was his dad's advice to him, don't make it into the paper, because any reason you make it into the paper is probably not good, at least for him. So it was a surreal kind of moment. Uh, Kate Upton has weighed in as well. I will get to a lot of that in a second. I want to play you the audio of Dave Martinez, too. He is the, umpire, he is the uh, manager for the Nationals, and he was livid. Uh, and actually, the time period in which he was screaming at the umps and getting thrown out of the game was the seventh inning stretch. Fox didn't make you aware of it last night, but fans are standing up and singing for the seventh inning stretch, and Dave is going nuts and getting chucked from the game, uh, which makes sense to me. If you're a manager, if you're the one in charge, and you watch a, a situation unfold like that, and then you're told you can't even have it reviewed. We have the technology to review anything. It's, it's technology that's available to all of us. Um, right now, I don't know why we would say something can't be reviewed other than you don't want the game to take forever. And, you know, if it's going to be a national news mistake, and I guess I'm not even sure if this would qualify for that, because most people I've talked to seem to think the rule was executed correctly on the field. 
which is interesting in and of itself that that there's so much debate about this. But if you go and read the rule book, I guess they they called it correctly. But it's just one of those things that we we have the technology to review anything and everything that happens. If it's going to determine a game, like Joe Buck, the great announcer said, uh, I'm kidding. Uh, Joe Buck is a yeah, he's there every World Series for some reason. But he said it that this could be a World Series deciding call, and it, it almost was. Uh, so it was fascinating to me to see. There's Game Seven tonight. I, I don't know if you're excited, but I'm excited for any time there's a Game Seven. I have a history of some of the Game Sevens. This is an interesting stat, uh, even though this is the first time in World Series or MLB playoff history that a team, an away team, has won all six games. It had happened twice previously, where an away team won five in a row. This is the first time anyone's ever won six. The last three times we've seen a Game 7 in the World Series, the away team has won. So is this the first time we will see an away team win all seven games? I don't know. This is the Craig Collins Show on WJBC, at least for the first half hour of this show. Since it's bonus content, I have World Series fever. Uh, My wife, by the way, my wife Betty will be on later today giving her NFL picks and reviewing The Voice, and she is for some reason a huge Nationals fan. Uh, which is nice because I'm also kind of a Nationals fan right now. I wouldn't see. I hate that though. Actually, I have to stop myself and make a quick correction. I will not pretend to be a fan of either team. I am a Yankee fan. The Yankees lost. They are out of it. And I sort of dislike the bandwagon situation that I see sometimes from people. Uh, and I've actually had this debate a few times where one of my friends will say, "No, man, my team lost. I get to pick a new team." That's not what being a fan of a team is. You don't get to just pick a new team because your team is out of it. You're supposed to stay a fan of that team. And maybe a lot of my friends are Cubs fans, and they were used to being out of it. So, And that shot's okay, right, because we have a lot of Cardinals fans in the listening area. I can take a shot at the Cubs. But that, I, I hate that. So I'm not a Nationals fan, but I am, I am rooting their direction because the Astros did beat my Yankees, and the Astros have won before. The Nationals have never won a World Series, so to me it seems better to get, get the guys – that have never won before to win, and going into this World Series, as I said on this very show, they were a huge underdog. They, they had a couple good pitchers, but in my opinion, the Astros just were the far and away better team during the regular season. At times during the postseason, all three of their pitchers, including Grinky, who will go tonight, seem to be lockdown pitchers. Uh, Grinky, by the way, pitched about four, I think four and a third innings his last time out, and he only gave up one run, but a whole bunch of people got on base. So it'll be interesting to see. And Max Scherzer is going for the Nationals, who did not pitch in Game 5 when he was supposed to because of some nerve issues in his neck. But he will be pitching tonight, so I don't know what happened between Game 5 and now that a guy who could not go because of something that sounds really bad, nerve issues, can now easily pitch in Game 7. But everything you've read about him, he sounds like a guy who's doing everything he can to play. Uh, which actually brings up another conversation that maybe I'll, maybe I'll have later in the show about when athletes should push that far, and then when you get people like Kevin Durant, who played in the uh, the basketball championships this past year and, and actually hurt himself after, I think, rushing, him, rushing himself back onto the court. So that was an interesting uh, situation. But I did tease this earlier, so I want to pay this off. Uh, Kate Upton weighed in on the Trey Turner play, the controversy the other night, running down first base. Is he too far into the path where uh, someone would try to throw the ball to get him out, or is he within the base path? I think the video might say that he's he's certainly not where he's supposed to be till the end, till he's actually touching the base. Um, but Kate Upton said he wasn't within the base path at all. 
Uh, those who don't know the rule, you have to run inside the two lines. Not sure why the review is taking so long. And, Kate, there was no review taking place. But that is, that's expert, you know, uh, breaking down right there from supermodel Kate Upton, who's been around a whole bunch of baseball now that she's married to Justin Verlander. And, you know, uh, it was an interesting situation. Like I said before, the, the umpires don't want to be the ones to decide a game. So you could tell very early on that they just seem to, to want the thing to be over. And Dave Martinez is screaming the entire time from the dugout while they're talking to New York. And we think maybe challenging the play maybe not we don't know what they're doing and then when the players are protesting and then dave is screaming at the umps during the seventh inning stretch he gets thrown out and yesterday at the press conference after the game he was asked his thoughts on on the whole play and here's what he said davey can you explain from your vantage point the trey turner play what you saw and secondly what set you off in between innings um you know i i, I really do Look, I don't want to sit here and talk about me or the umpires. Or um, This is not about me or the umpires. This is about the Washington National and those guys in the clubhouse coming to game six and uh, playing lights out, uh, knowing that this could be it. Um, and I'm super proud of them. I mean, uh, you know, so in, in the heat of the moment, things get blown out of hand. Uh, I saw things differently, but I'm not going to... Uh, I'm not going to, you know. That is, okay, I can let him finish his sentence, but that's an awesome take from him. You know, I saw things differently, and in the heat of a moment, stuff gets out of hand a little bit. If you've seen the video or if you didn't see it, you have to go look at it. He is screaming. He is losing his mind, and one of the other coaches on his team is trying desperately to hold him back, to push him back toward the, cl- the dugout so that this he doesn't get thrown out. And for whatever reason, the umpires took a very long time to to throw him out so they almost get back into the dugout and then he gets thrown out and then he goes even crazier uh it was a surreal event for sure the other night and only makes game seven more exciting and i have said this before in the show too i do want to say it again if you're a fan of baseball if you're a fan of radio doing extra radio should be a fun thing i'm in for an extra hour today uh whenever i was uh doing play-by-play or i did a lot of pa announcing for minor league baseball games if we went into extra innings the number one thing we said was hey free baseball right now i'm doing free additional radio of the craig collins show uh they did free baseball uh, you know they will play more baseball tonight if it goes into extras that i guess is free baseball but it should be exciting to anyone that's a sports fan no matter what team you're rooting for that it comes down to this uh, like i said the last three times we've seen a game seven the away team has won so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. All right, I can finally move on. I guess I guess I can move on from the World Series, but it's a Game 7. This is as exciting as it gets in sports. It doesn't get any more exciting. I will ask you real quick, have you heard the term OK Boomer? I asked a couple people here at the station who are millennials, and I'm a millennial, and none of us had ever heard of it, but apparently it's a thing, and it's catching on. There's T-shirts being made. There's swag for it, uh, but it, it's... A phrase that people will use when they see something, and this is mostly Gen Z and millennials who use it, when they see something that they think is dated or when they see an opinion that someone probably a baby boomer or someone, you know, older than them has, when they think that that is a reflection of of the past times, not our current, you know, 2019 world, they will say, okay, boomer. They might not say it directly to the person. Apparently, you can do this while watching a video, anything. Uh, But now there's a whole bunch of swag out there. People are buying shirts, 
and other things. So, okay, boomer. I, I want to know if anybody uses this term or if you've ever had it, if someone has said it to you. Maybe you didn't know what they meant. Although it is kind of obvious. It's not the trickiest of slang terms. Usually the slang term is crazy. It took me forever to figure out what swole meant. Someone told me that I was trying to get swole, and I didn't know what that meant for a long time. And it means that you're working out and you're trying to get ripped at the gym. And I, I was I don't think I'm trying to get swole. I don't know. And I'm only 34, so is that sad? Do I now sound like a very old man that I don't know what swole is? I don't know what OK Boomer is. Uh, and one more thing before I take a break. Did you know that we waste $158 a year on nutrition and fad diets? Are you the kind of person that wants to lose a few pounds but doesn't want to do it the way that you're, you know, you've heard to do it before, diet and exercise, you want to do something cool, you want to take on one of these new kind of crazy fad diets? Well, apparently they usually don't work, and the average American will spend 158 bucks doing it. Uh, some of the ones listed in this study are personalized and DNA-based nutrition programs, which I've heard of but I've never partaken in. You actually send them a sample of your DNA, and these uh, places will send you back a recommended way for you to lose weight. Uh, CBD products are a big one out there that aren't really helping people lose weight, apparently. Personalized vitamins. I thought that was pretty interesting. I would like some Craig Collins vitamins. I could give them out. Can I give out vitamins? I'm going to have to check with our legal team. But a Craig Collins vitamin sounds like a good, a good thing for everyone. Weight loss pills, weight loss teas, clean eating, and drinking celery juice is the number one most common thing that people do that is a fad diet that doesn't work. All right, I've got to take a break. More Craig Collins show in for Mark. Uh, we're going to talk about Dunkin' Donuts and a big thing that happened on TikTok. We've got a bunch of other things coming up. HBO Max is in the news. You're listening to The Great College Show on WJBC. Bonus radio. You got a whole extra hour of The Craig Collins Show today. And I believe tomorrow uh, our morning man, uh, Scott Miller, is sick. I, I believe our morning news person, Catherine Murphy, is sick. Uh, a bunch of our other people on staff just got over being sick. So it's it's a very ill time for WJBC. So that means that Mark goes four hours. I go four hours. Fish is on in the morning. It's a bunch of moving parts but we couldn't be having more fun doing it with you guys uh you know <laughs> being on air with you guys here so i want to talk about this I, I found this study interesting the human brain can identify a familiar song in the blink of a second have you ever noticed that before that you hear something that's one of your favorite songs or maybe you listen to a cd uh, that you've heard all the songs in rotation a few times in a row and the minute it switches to the next track you know exactly what song is coming up without having to memorize uh, the list just because of the first few notes. Uh, according to researchers from the University College in London, it takes literally a tenth of a second for someone who has a deep, you know, favorite song, a, a deep connection to a song, to know exactly what's next. Our results demonstrate that recognition of familiar music happens remarkably quickly. This is one of the professors in the study. These findings point to very fast temporal circuitry and are consistent with the deep hold uh, to highly familiar music that people have in their memory. I wanted to test this today. So I've been giving out basketball tickets for a game next Wednesday, uh, ISU men's basketball. They're playing Belmont. And people have been texting in. Only a couple people are using our text system. The number is 51879 to text me there. And text me anything. I've been asking a question of the day the last two days. And actually, I do have a question for today. And I'm going to share a photo on my social media page, at Craig Collins Show. I have a new profile here on WJBC, on the WJBC website. 
um, because I'm a brand new host. And so the other day, and this person is great, by the way, it's not her fault, but Dana Bell, one of our promotions people, was taking photos of me, and I think she probably chose the best photo of the group to throw up on our website, but I don't take good photos. Uh, it happened to me even on my wedding day. My wife and I were taking wedding photos, and the photographer was like, hey, for the next one, why doesn't Betty come up close to and look like straight at the camera? And Craig, why don't you be distracted in the corner by that thing? And this will be a really romantic photo so Craig doesn't make eye contact with the camera because, I don't know, I have like a, a dopey smile when I force it, I guess. When, when I'm told to smile for a picture, I can't seem to do it naturally it's sort of like those jokes you see about people on tv that don't don't know what to do with their hands the minute they get on tv they don't know where to put their hands in the shot because they've they're too focused on it um but i want to share the photo and ask you guys should i retake it it kind of looks like i have a lazy eye if i'm being honest and that's up on the wjbc website and i'll put it on the at craig collins show but just text us that is the question of the day should i retake my profile photo for the station Text me to 51879, and I'll give away a set of tickets that way. But I'll give away two pairs of tickets for people who call in. You have to call in for this. I know. I'm asking for a lot of things. 829-2345. You have to tell me a year that you'd like to hear a song from, a year where maybe you were listening to a lot of music, where you know a lot of the popular hits. And I will play you one of the most popular songs from that year, and I want to see how long it takes you to identify it. You win the tickets no matter what. By the way, just by calling in and humoring me, I will give you a pair of tickets to the ISU game. But I want to see if this research is true, that if I play a a familiar song for you, will you recognize it quickly? Will you know what it is like before anyone starts singing the first few notes? Um, And I don't want to cheat so much as to ask you to tell me an artist or something that you like, but we'll figure it out. I'll I'll take calls during the commercial break, hopefully. Hopefully. And uh, two people will win no matter what, so humor me, and you will still win. But I'm going to play a song and see how quickly it takes you to recognize a song if it's in your memory based on this study out of the University College in London. All right. I also have a list of the candy hierarchy for 2019. This is the definitive list, I'm told. Uh, It's from boingboing.net. If you've ever been there, that is a silly website that puts out a lot of silly things. Uh, But they're giving us the, the definitive list of the order of candies that you want when you go trick-or-treating or you want your kids to gain while they're trick-or-treating so then you, when they get home you can steal it from their bag. Uh, any full-size candy bar, by the way, is a primo item. Any house that you have in your neighborhood, and I actually have another story about that to get to later today, uh, but anyone that gives out the full sizes, those it doesn't even matter what they are, actually, according to this. It's better than any of the other things on here because you get a full serving of candy. Uh, but this is the list of things, if you're getting the itty-bitty Halloween size, number one, the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. And that's no surprise. It is a wonderful candy. It's probably my favorite candy. So Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, the top of the list, Kit Kat, Twix, Snickers. I like this one. This one made the list. Cash. And it doesn't matter if it's just, like, change. If someone is giving out cash as opposed to candy, it is better than all candies except Reese's Pieces, Kit Kat, Twix, and Snickers. Cash is the next best thing. Um, I don't know if everyone will agree with that because on Halloween you kind of, you know, I I would assume a lot of us would rather have candy. But cash, way up on that list, peanut M&Ms, regular M&Ms, Nestle Crunch, a Toblerone or something like it made the list, Milky Way, a truffle 
is anyone giving out truffles? Is that a, do, do people get truffles? I don't think I get truffles. Rolos, Three Musketeers, and then dark chocolate, especially Hershey's. Those are some of the top candy hierarchy items that you're expecting to get in 2019. Of course, some things at the bottom of the list include candy corn, uh, Peeps. Peeps, which would be a weird thing to give out, I guess, for Halloween. But it's it's people do it. They They give out all kinds of stuff. But that is an interesting list. Like I said, I'm giving away two sets of tickets today. You have to call me and tell me what year you'd like to hear some popular music from, and I want to see if you can name the music. I'm getting no calls yet, so apparently no one wants to go to this basketball game. I don't know. Do you guys like ISU basketball? Do, do the people listening, does anyone like to go to these games? I assume you do. I went. They're fun. I have tickets to give away. You just have to do stuff. I don't want to give it to the fifth caller. That's boring. It has to be something more fun than that. So call in and tell me what year to play a song from, and you win no matter what. It's not even as hard as Mark's contest. All right. Craig Collins in for Mark. I've got another 20 minutes of bonus radio, then three hours of actual show. Uh, By the way, we have a bunch of guests coming up today. Uh, We'll talk to quite a few different people. We'll talk about the Bloomington Library. Uh, My wife will come on to make her NFL picks, which she does every week, and somehow she beats people. She beats Sam, our NFL expert, last week. It is going to be. Okay, so wait. We can get back to the game, though. So this is a thing I can play now. I've hit all the buttons correctly. I think Lisa would have figured that song out quickly anyway. Uh, But what I want you to do is call in and tell me a year you'd like to hear a song from, and I'll go ahead and play one, and we're going to test this study out of the U.K. that says you can know, you can recognize things that you're familiar with within a split second. It's supposed to be a tenth of a second. I'm not even going to, to make it that hard, but you're supposed to be able within a note or two to know what song it is if you're familiar with it. So call us, please. Uh, 829-2345. I'm giving away basketball tickets for next Wednesday's game, ISU. Uh, it'll be a fun time to go. I, I know that they're good tickets, so people, please call in and, and get out to the game. But more importantly, humor me, and you win no matter what. All right, we have to move on to other things, and then hopefully I'll get some calls and answer some of those. A Dunkin' Donuts employee is in a lot of trouble because of a TikTok video uh, that they put out. Uh, the employee name uh, has identified themselves just as Morgan. And she posted a video on Tuesday to the social media platform that shows that, unfortunately, quite a few of the Dunkin' Donuts items are frozen. Muffins, bagels, donuts, these things are not baked fresh like we would hope in in the store. They are frozen and then prepared. You know what? Actually, okay. I got a call coming in. Why don't I try to take it now? Caller, you're on the air, WJBC. Yes, hi. What's your name? Sue. Sue. And are you confident that you can uh, identify a song quickly if you're familiar with it? I think so. Okay. What year would you like a, a popular song to come from? 1979. Okay. We're going to play you a song from 1979. Hopefully you're going to be able to hear it. And then if you can hear it, you have to tell me what it is. And you win tickets no matter what, by the way. So I have to put you on hold after we play the game. And you'll be able to get a couple tickets to go to see the ISU men's basketball team play uh, next week. Uh, but give me just a second, and I have a song okay. for you. And then I'm going to give you a few seconds, even though you should know, and just yell it out whenever you know the song, okay? Okay, we'll okay, do. Okay, here we go. Are you hearing Hi, the music? Corona. Look at that. Okay, it took you six, seven seconds. It wasn't a split-second thing, but you got it. You absolutely got it correct, and you didn't need any words or anything like that. Are you a fan of, of that song? Are you a fan of the Knack? No, 
Not especially, but I definitely remember it. There you go. Well, thank you so much. i got to put you on hold, and I'm going to take a, a – well, actually, I can't take a break. So you're going to have to hold on for a few minutes because I don't want to take your sense of information over the, over the uh, air, okay? Okay. All right. Hold on for me. Congratulations on the tickets. If more people want to play, maybe I can figure out a way to give something else out, or maybe you can just do it for fun. But you can call in, and I will play a song from a year you pick to uh, call us at – Eight two nine two three four five, and if you guess the song quickly, we're just proving that research can be accurate. Uh, but back to this Dunkin' Donuts thing. So this employee posted a TikTok video. It shows that Dunkin' Donuts sadly uses frozen food for a majority of its food, and yeah, she's in a lot of trouble for that. The video went viral in less than twenty four hours with three hundred and fifty thousand likes from horrified customers. It says, and I'm not honestly that horrified by that. Okay. It's frozen. I mean, it's not like it's it's rotten. It's not like the food is is days old. It's just it's frozen. Um, people were saying things like, "I always knew Duncan was dried up and gross. Now I know why." Uh, more people commented, "It's literally fast food. What did you expect?" So obviously, some people were not as surprised like me. But this is weird that this is happening quite often now too. That people are getting in trouble. I don't know if you remember this, but I think it was about a year ago, and this had nothing to do with the food. But I think someone, like, got in a, a sink at, like, a Wendy's or something. An employee got fired because they, they put it up on social media because they thought it was funny that one of the coworkers could fit inside something like that. So, so these videos now where you do stuff at work or you, you shine the light on some things that we don't know are becoming more and more popular. I also have a, a set of tips to help you get over procrastination. If you're the kind of person that struggles a little bit with you know, putting things off with, you know, not wanting to get something quickly. These are some tips that will help you create a habit in your mind to break that wall. The first one is list your successes. When you're hitting a roadblock, when you have a task you don't want to do, instead of trying to force yourself to focus on the task at hand, focus on all the other things you've done, all the other achievements you've, and maybe the recent ones, the, the successes you've had, you know, in the same field, whatever it is, uh, and, and that may help you get over the wall and attempt to do something that you're putting off. Uh, make gratitude a habit. Thank people for helping you. Thank yourself for, you know, completing something. Be grateful of research and things that you find from other people that you use in some of your work. Just any of that kind of thing can help you. Sorry, I need to take a drink there. Running out of, running out of, uh, uh, yeah, moisturizer in my mouth. Uh, that was terrible. I, I almost died on air. Which would, uh, by the way, I've mentioned that actually off off air. I've never mentioned it on. It would be great ratings if a host died on air. So I'm I'm ready to do that for you guys, to to bring in a a huge number to our next book. Uh, change the way you speak to yourself. This probably goes beyond getting over procrastinating, and just in general helps you be a more positive, more you know, uh, a person who's capable of quite a bit more. If you speak to yourself in a negative way, if you expect everything that you attempt to do to fail, uh, then you're very likely to not attempt as many things according to this uh, bit of information. So if you instead give yourself positive reinforcement and just change the way that, and, and it's interesting actually, I saw a different study on this too, that the words you use when you're speaking to yourself are of tremendous importance. If you say things like, man, I can't, or, oh, that was bad, if the words you're using in your brain are negative ones, you're not using positive words. You're not using, you know, in-between words. Everything you're saying to yourself has some sort of negative connotation. Then, of course, your outlook will change, and it will, it will trend 
to be a more negative outlook. But if you just speak to yourself in a more positive way, if you believe that you're capable of certain things, then then you'll be surprised at how much of an impact that has alone on your life, just being able to speak to yourself more positively. All right, this is the end of the bonus hour. I will still play the game, though. So if you do have a song and you want to see or you want to find out, you know, if you can identify it quickly, as our study told us, call in, give me a year, and I'll play it for you. Uh, we've got the Bloomington Library coming up. We're talking to them uh, about some of the great stuff you can see uh, there and some of the, the cool things that they've learned uh, working with people at the library over the last few years, including how often I think, how long it takes for books to get returned. There's all kinds of things coming up. Kelly will be in studio. Uh, we've got a lot more Craig Collins show kicking off in just a little bit here. Uh, and I also, later on in the show, we'll talk about HBO Max. Uh, we have a caller on the line. Anna is with us. She wants to play our game real quick. And then I have a guest in studio, Kelly, that I'll introduce in just a minute, who's also going to play our game, which is kind of cool. Anna, you told me that you could recognize a song from 1995. Is that right? Correct. Okay, here we go. This is a test. And I don't know if you're a fan of this song specifically, but let's see how quickly you can identify this song. Okay. And I hope you can hear it. Oh. oh, you know it. I think I do. One Sweet Day by oh, Mariah no. Carey. No, that's that's a, that's not it. You want to keep trying? Uh, sure. Okay. Definitely this did not work for the uh, UK study. This is all for one. I can love you like that. Oh. Are you a fan? Okay. Maybe, you didn't, maybe you missed that one in 1995. Maybe that was the one hit that you didn't like at all. You're like, no, this one I'm done with. Eh. Yeah. Well, Not typically my thing. But. Okay. But Mariah Carey would be your thing? Yeah. Okay. All right. You sure. know what? Hold on one second. I'm going to give you a second chance. Oh, awesome. I want, I want to see. And I'm just going to go anything for Mariah Carey. Are you okay with that? That works for me. Okay. We'll figure this out. Let's see if this works now for the UK study. Because the thing about the study is you have to like the song. It's not just any song you've maybe heard once or, or you know, maybe have never heard at all, obviously. But if you like the song, you're able to identify it very, very quickly. So here we go. Testing again. Oh, oh, yeah. I remember this one from middle school. From middle school. Oh, my. What is it, Anna? Come on. Oh. I can hear it. I can hear it in your voice. I can hear the pained expression in your voice. That is, oh, always be my baby, from yes. Mariah Carey. Yes, it is. You yes. knew it. Oh. You knew it. Thank you for I playing the game, so Anna. Sorry. Thank well, you so yeah, much. You that, made my day. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, we'll be playing this game all day on the Craig Collins Show. It is guess that song as quickly as you can. Uh, now it's time for my guest, though Kelly, who's in studio with us from the Bloomington Library. And Kelly, what is your role there? Library technical assistant in our technical services department. Okay, you're a library technical assistant in the technical services department. We right. have a technical services department at the library? We do. It's, okay. It's kind of behind the scenes, um, mm -hmm. under people's radar. What our department does is um, all the books that get processed, um, the selectors choose books to buy. They come in. They come through my department. They get checked in. They get all of the tapes and stamps and everything Ooh. you can think of and before they even go out on the shelves. Well, that sounds like really important work. That sounds like a really... Is, yes, good. Uh, you also were willing to play my game. You're I am, game. absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to play you a song then. And what year did you say that you were very familiar with? 1981. Okay, 1981. This is a song from 1981. We'll see how long it takes you to get it. I'm going to turn the microphones off so you can hear it in studio and then turn them back on when you're ready. Okay. Oh, this is a much slower song. Doesn't seem that long 
She knows it. She says she knows it, but she doesn't know what it is. It's air supply. Does that help you at all? Are you a fan of air supply? Not really. Okay. <laughs> That's part of the danger in playing it this way, just Googling anything from a certain year. I guess I should ask people for like an artist or something, but then it's going to be way too easy. Do you want another try from 1981? One more try. Okay, one more try from 1981. We'll see if you know this song. Uh, and uh, tell us a little bit more about what you do while we wait for the song to set up. Um, what I do is, uh, I think I have the best job in the library, actually. Um, all the books that get ordered, all the tapes, the v- d- DVDs, mm-hmm. um, come through me. I literally process every piece of new information that comes through our library. Wow. I, I, I sort it. I check it in. I do all the invoicing for it. Um, I get it to the uh, catalogers to put in their system, and then it goes out on the shelves. So. so you would know a lot of stats then. If I, I had, like, stats-specific questions, you would be the person to go to for I, library stats. I would know those, yes. Okay. How many items get put on uh, hold each month? Uh, 8,100. 8,100 yeah. items? Per month, wow. yes. That's a lot of items. How many uh, patrons do we serve on an average uh, month? Per month, this year, we've been serving about 30,000 patrons per month okay. that come through our doors for in, in one capacity or another. The bookmobile, how many people does that serve? Uh, the bookmobile, um, in the past five months, about 6,000 people have used our bookmobile. So a little wow. over 1,000 a month come through. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what's the percentage of electronic circulation? Right now we're at 11%. Um, most people would think it'd probably be higher, sure. uh, but people still like the books in their hands. Uh, they still like to come in and see what's new, but so 11% of that is is the e-circulation. Wow, okay. Um, so how many items do we have in the library? That's a very good question. Right, right now, <laughs> as of September, we have just over 330,000 items in the main collection, and then we also have an outreach um, division, which is Bookmobile, and then we have a little kind of an uh, overflow place where we keep things, yeah. and that's just under um, 9,000. Wow, okay. Uh, how many items circulate each month? 100,000. 100,000 items are in circulation over the course of a month. That is crazy. Yes. Uh, How how do you do all that then? Is that a very busy... Are you are like pulling hair out sometimes because things are going crazy? There are so many people that factor into that, those mm-hmm. numbers. Um, yes, sometimes it's a lot busier than others, but we have a wonderful circulation department who all sure. the little cogs go around and make everything happen. Um, yeah, we've just got a lot of people that put all that together. So okay. there you go. Uh, and you even started as a, as a bookshelver, you said to me, right? Yeah, I did. I so started... you were used to putting everything back that was coming in and just dealing with that all day. Yes, wow. I was. Yeah. yeah, look at and so that was a good intro to the library. I, right. I got to know everything right out of the gate. Where did it go? What did we have? Uh, so that was a good starting point for me. How many people use home delivery? Right now for home delivery, um, there's about 55 people. Okay. Um, they check out oh around 400 items per month. Those 55 people now that that number will go up in the winter because a lot of people are you know with weather sure uh, they'll stay home more. Um, but that's a pretty and and that's actually we take those items deliver them right to their door. How does home delivery work? How do you sign up for that? How do you how do you become a person that gets home delivery from the library? Um, if a patron has some sort of a disability or mm-hmm. um, a reason that they can't, they just come. They call our circulation department and. Um, can talk to anybody in that department and get hooked up with that. They get signed up and we put them on the list. They either call or put things on hold online, let us know what they want. We pull those items for them and then they deliver them right to their home and they have the same checkout periods as everybody else does. So we'll, cool. we'll pick them back up from them and bring them back and return them. That's awesome. Uh, what is a deposit site? I don't even know what that is. Well, a deposit site for us, we have 
13 right now, and we're hoping to add some more next year. Um, those are sites. Uh, Westminster Village is an example. Okay. Um, the SOAR program through the city of Bloomington, they are sites that um, borrow a set amount of books for a month or sometimes more at a time, and they actually the books actually go to those sites, and then their residents can check those items out through someone out there that runs the program. So each place has a person that's in charge of the books, like at Westminster yeah. The, the residents check them out, and then after a month or two, they bring them back, and we give them a whole new set. How many did you say there were? How many sites? Yeah, how many deposit sites? There's 13 sites right now. Wow. And each month, depending on the size of the site, they get between 50 and 200 titles. Okay. Um, and in any given time, there's around 900 checked out items to our deposit sites. When you guys d- debate what items to add each year, how many items get added, and how does that debate go? Is it kind of like a a big conversation that you guys whittle things down, or, or how do you guys decide what to add to your collection? We have selectors, so there'll be a children's librarian, adult librarian, mm-hmm. there's music, DVDs, and they, they kind of just see what, what the trends are. They get you know lists from our vendors, oh, got it. and they make choices, and they put in orders. Um, so it's not like a fantasy football draft? You're not listing like top items you want and then debating which ones? Okay. No. Um, we get um, about 26,000 new items each year. Got it. Um, just to give you a couple of examples, right now, just this last month, we, we checked in 1,500 new items. Nice. Um, that's just fiction books. Wow. That's not anything else. Um, we also have 390 authors that we get automatically. They're called automatically yours. So if they're a top author, Stephen King, Daniel Steele, um, we automatically get those books. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, this was interesting to me. Nicholas Sparks, we get 19 copies. Every time he puts out a new <laughs> book, we get 19 copies. And he's the number one spot for them, even more than um, like Patterson or okay. King. And yeah. Nicholas Sparks, he wrote The Notebook, is that right? That's correct. Okay, that's yes. what I thought. So he, they're all books like The Notebook then, the things right. that he writes? Okay, exactly. I understand why you need 19 copies of that. <laughs> and you probably have like 25 copies of The Notebook, I assume, just in case. Right, right. right. Yeah. And some of them go, the, the new ones go, you know, some go on the bookmobile, some go in our most wanted mm-hmm. collection, some go out on the shelves, but they're always in great demand when they come out. You know, they'll, uh, they'll already have multiple holds on them. Right. Yeah, and you can't read those in the library because you don't want to cry there. You have to take it home. Yes. And do, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, so one last question, and then we're going to try my game again. But the number of programs you guys offer and the amount of people that attend those programs each quarter. Um, the, in this, just this past quarter, we had 240 programs. Wow. And there was just over 7,700 attendees okay. for those. So about 1,900 people uh, wow. per month go, go for those. Um, and, and we offer so many different kinds, children's, adults, teens. Is it sort of like asking a parent who their favorite kid is? If I ask you what your favorite program is, do you have a favorite or can you not? Are they all your favorite? I like them all. See, but I knew it. Yeah. It's like asking yeah, a parent it is, which kid is which, the favorite. I know. And They're, I kind of feel like in the back of your mind, you sort of know one that could be your favorite, but you never say. As a parent, right. you never tell. That's okay. right. All right. Uh, that's exciting. I can't wait to... To visit, I haven't been to the library yet, but now I want to go even more, and I want to take part in one of those programs. Uh, before I let you go, though, Kelly, uh, I want you one more time to try to play this game. I have a song from 1981, okay. and you're going to tell me what it is as quickly as you can. Uh-oh, she nailed it. Too much time on my hands. You got that in, I don't think, no, yeah, it only took you like seven seconds to get that song. So nice. you're a huge Sticks fan then. Yes, okay. I am. All right, there you go. <laughs> I found it. I found the right one to get uh, for you. 
go to the library, meet Kelly. She's very friendly. You'll have a great time. Um, and I look forward to talking to you again. Hopefully I can get you on the show again soon. I would love to do that. Can I just plug one more of our please. great programs? Yes, please. We have um, called Interlibrary Loan, and it's kind of a little-known program, and maybe a lot of our, our uh, listeners don't know we have it. Sure. Um, we borrow from other libraries. Uh, other libraries borrow from us. Mm-hmm. And just this last year, we... Um, 5,500 requests. People wanted books that we don't own and were able to get them from another library. And 2,700 um, borrowed from us. That wow. They didn't have the book, but we did. So That's awesome. That's a great program, too. Well, thank yes. you again for joining us, uh, and I look forward to talking to you soon. And get out to the library, people, and just read that Nicholas yes. Sparks book in the corner where you can't be seen. Meteorologist <laughs> Brian Walder tells us that the rest of the day is cloudy with light rain possible. Tonight, rain showers changing to snow, especially after midnight. Some sleep may be possible during the transition period, a low of 30. Uh, Tomorrow, Halloween, snow showers continue, especially during the morning and afternoon hours. Uh, Snow tapers off mid to later afternoon. Upwards of 1 to 2 inches will be possible, a high of 34, a low of 23. On Friday, sunny and cold, a high of 42, a low of 32. There is also a winter weather advisory in effect from 10 p.m. tonight until 4 uh, p.m. tomorrow. It is in Woodford, Fulton, Taswell, McLean, Livingston, Logan, uh, a lot of the area around. We can expect some snow showers, two to four inches, wind gusts, and uh, bad road conditions. So that's what the next few days are. But enjoy trick-or-treating. It'll be fun, right? Now, back to the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. This is the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. My guest is just getting in studio. Um, Thank you for joining us, too, by the way, Aaron. Aaron Woodruff is here. Uh, and I wanted to talk about the first I have to tell you, though, that this half hour of the Craig Collins Show is sponsored by Exxon and Mobil. Exxon and Mobil's Synergy uh, Supreme Plus Premium Gas, uh, their best fuel ever, keeps your engine two times cleaner for better gas mileage. It's supreme. It's premium. It's supremium. Fill up today or go to exxon.com for more details. Uh, Aaron Woodruff, you are in studio. I know you're a, a normal guest on one of the other shows here, uh, but I wanted you to duck in for just a second to chat with me about a scary story that was in the news. And then I think some things, maybe some advice we could have for ways in which to try to prevent, um, you know, falling into a, a similar circumstance, if that's at all possible. But an ISU student is is accusing an Uber driver of uh, groping her and uh, attempting to rape her. Um, and the Uber driver, as far as I know, is suspended. There's an investigation ongoing. I know that their details can't really be shared about that specific investigation, so I'm not here to ask you uh, for any of those. Mm-hmm. But I, I more want to talk about in today's day and age, it is surprising how many things we share that we're not, we did not share previously. Airbnb is one example where you rent a person's house or home, and sometimes they're living in it. You just rent a room in their house, and you stay with them. Uh, Uber, Lyft, all of the ride-sharing services certainly do a good job in, in background checking their drivers, I assume, but, but you are trusting a, a stranger and not necessarily a company uh, in picking you up and getting you to your destination. I've ridden Uber tons and tons of times. I'm not trying to scare people and say that, you know, this is a huge risk and we're all at risk for it. But I think the first thing to point out is just how much society has evolved because of technology to put you in situations with strangers where trust is is assumed. Is that right? Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, Craig, thanks for uh, inviting me back. Uh, you know, it is... Um we are dealing with technology here, but the reality is like ride sharing on college campuses has been happening forever. It used to use a bulletin board or little post-it things, and, you know, it's just evolved over the years. So it's not necessarily a new thing. It's just a technology piece. Uh, I was fortunate enough. I was um, 
uh, I was at a conference yesterday and Uber happened to be there and I did talk to him about this issue and asked him, you know, what are some things that, that the industry is doing? And it isn't just Uber and, and Lyft. I mean, sure. there may be some other ones out there, but those are the two main ones. And I know, you know, the first thing both ride companies, sharing companies recommend you do is, you know, we, you get the driver's information right there mm-hmm. when you when you schedule that ride. So make sure you're matching the vehicle, uh, the license plate on the vehicle, the type of vehicle, the color of the vehicle, and the driver's name are all the same. And there's a picture now of the driver, too. Uh, so you can match all those things as soon as they show up. Sure. Uh, that's that's really a, a key thing. I know uh, Missouri, I uh, had uh, University of Missouri down there, um, had also done a, a, a program to educate students on one of the first things you can do is just ask the driver, what's my name? And you're almost testing the driver to make sure that, you know, yeah. they are who they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so that that's a program that, that they're uh, promoting out there, and that's certainly something all of us could do is because that driver has your first name when you schedule that ride. Well, here's the other thing. And, and again, I'm not trying to insinuate certain things in this in this specific case that uh, triggered me asking you to come in studio today. But I, I do wonder, too, if people are just trusting, um, you know, an Uber driver too much. Like, say you, you plan to have a good night out. You're going to mm-hmm. go out. You're going to have a lot of fun. Um, and you know that you're going to have too much fun, so you won't be able to drive yourself home. So you anticipate calling an Uber or a Lyft. Well, I think that we should be aware that there's a certain tipping point to that amount of fun where where you're putting yourself in jeopardy if you're trusting a a stranger, even where 99% of the time this occurrence will wind up being exactly what you expect it to be and and no problem at all. But that that 1% or maybe less of the time, if you're you're putting yourself in an even more trusting situation with a stranger – you're certainly putting yourself at risk, right? Well, we always uh, talk to our students about, you know, harm reduction strategies. And, and even if you are going to consume alcohol or something else, uh, to, to be smart, have a sober friend around you. Uh, and again, having a sober friend around and even getting into an, an Uber ride can help assure that, that, yeah. that things you'll be safe there as well. Um, so, or Uber, Lyft, I, I hate to keep no, promoting sorry, one or the other sidecar. Yeah. Whatever know. company comes out next. But, exactly. but the idea is, is again, yeah, we, we want to promote some harm reduction strategies too, but just because you're getting a ride, that's only a piece of it. Right. So mm-hmm. we still have to be wise. Even if you're walking home, if you're getting an Uber Lyft home, if you're taking the bus home, you have to be aware of your surroundings. Unfortunately, when you're imbibing in alcohol and other things, first thing that kind of affects is your judgment and your ability to recognize danger around you as well. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, tell me a little bit more about what you guys, you're the chief of police for the ISU uh, for Illinois State University. Uh, tell me a few of the other things that you, you tell to students, maybe freshman students coming in, students that aren't aware of you know, living at college and having it for the first time on their own. Are there other safety tips that you guys give out regularly? Oh, we give them out all the time. Uh, you know, one of our biggest problems, obviously, is theft on campus. And sure. so, you know, sometimes it's the simplest things are, are just closing and locking your door. Uh, students <laughs> are used to being in a home where they yep. leave their door open. And next thing you know, uh, they do it on a college campus and, and their laptop gets stolen. So, I, you know, I don't want to go over all the the little things we tell them, but you know, if that's our biggest crime, uh, and that's the thing that we do, you're doing with the pretty most, good. Yeah, right. you know, our um, bad things like this come up every now and then? absolutely, but mm-hmm. uh, we do our best to, to if we see a pattern of behavior or something that's concerning, uh, like in this case where we want to make sure students are aware of it, we'll put out a crime advisory, uh, and that was the purpose behind this, just to make students aware of this situation. We have heard it happening in other campuses around the country, South Carolina, I believe. 
either earlier this year or last year had that big case with the student. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, again, we want to make sure our students are being aware and that these services are out there, but make sure you're still being smart about it. Yeah, cool. Uh, i just curious, with these big events like homecoming the other weekend, how does that how how's your job go during that period? Like, <laughs> but when you're preparing for homecoming, and I'm sure that you know, again, this is a, a very fun event for 99.9 percent of the people. But I imagine there's a little stress for you preparing for stuff like that. It, well, it, there is. Uh, I think I was on the air with Mark the other day talking about that. And uh, it, for better or worse, for the people who did attend, they probably didn't appreciate it. But for those of us in public safety, we appreciated the the kind of poor weather because that helped. <laughs> That helped keep the problems to a minimum. Yeah. Uh, but, but you know, that's what a lot of our, our job is. It's just to kind of keep um, – we want people to have a good time, but we want them to be respectful and to be responsible. And uh, that's really what our job is, trying to keep that. Uh, uh, unfortunately, to, to some people don't like it, but we got to try to keep people – to a somewhat respectable level around yeah. others. So. Are there any uh, fun things you guys get to participate in or any ways with, where you interact with the students in, in more of a you know positive getting to know you kind of way? Are there oh, any? all the time, all the time. Uh, so let's see, today uh, LJ, who is the Vice President of Student Affairs, had his tweet treat, nice. uh, which he has at different places around campus. Like once a month he does his tweet, he sends out a, a tweet, and then the students show up there and they get, um, I don't know, whatever he's given away. Uh, so we had uh, our officers, and then we had, of course, Sage. For those listeners who don't know, Sage is our community engagement canine. She was there, so lots of students came out and got their picture with Sage. Awesome. <laughs> More so than our officers. They they <laughs> like the dog. So, uh, But we do that, and we do a number of other things. I think they were over at uh, Cedar Ridge today for the vision program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so every day we're out and about doing something. And, and again, engagement is a big part of what we do. Yeah, I, it seems to be engagement is, is sort of the focus uh, it, beyond uh, campus police in, in all walks of, of law enforcement or anything right now. It seems to be that the more you can engage in the community in a proactive way, the better any sort of interaction might go if at some point you have to, uh, what is the right word for it? You have to coach someone along. Yeah, yeah. you know, there, there's, we're, our job, unfortunately, in, involves a lot of things that aren't pleasant to deal with. Correct. Right? And sometimes the people themselves aren't pleasant. Sometimes sure. the situation isn't pleasant. But, you know, if we can make a positive impact and on the rest of the time, then I think that helps uh, promote that understanding and, and that trust uh, I think a lot of times when you see that t- breakdown between the community and the police, it's it's yeah. there's that lack of trust. And how do we fix that? Well, we engage and interact and communicate with each other so that there is that mutual understanding. Awesome. He is the chief of police for the ISU Police Department. Aaron Woodruff is in studio with me. Thanks so much for joining me and talking a little bit more about this, because I'm sure when you see the headline, if you're someone, mm-hmm. especially a student at school, you, you get a, you're a little worried. You become a little more concerned about the risks out there in the world. And so it's nice to connect with someone who's keeping us safe and, and letting you know the, the simple tricks that might might avoid this in the future, including, I think, one of the best ones you gave. Have someone along who's sort of a sober friend that can be a buffer to, to help you not get into any bad situations. That seems like a very smart tip. So, <laughs> for everyone. Right. For, yeah. Anyway, I should yeah. just get a sober friend all the time for me. Uh, thank you very much, Aaron, again. I look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, and Craig. I'm sure you'll be on with Mark again. And stop. Someone call in and tell me what that song is. I was talking about a survey earlier in the day today, uh, actually a study from out of the U.K. that said if you like a song, you can notice it within a a half a second or less, sometimes a tenth of a second. You don't need anywhere near as much time as I played. I gave you five seconds of a song, and I'd like someone to call in and tell me what that song was. You can call 829 
two, three, four, five. I'm not giving away any prizes right now. I just want to keep testing this study to see if it's if it's correct. But I can play that song for you again if you call in. But if you know what that was from the first five seconds, call in and tell me what it was. All right. Moving on on the Craig Collins Show, there's a huge new uh, service coming out, HBO Max. It will be coming in May 2020. It'll cost 15 bucks, And it is supposed to be, as we hear every few months, the new biggest rival to Netflix. Uh, the reason why HBO might be such a a great competitor to Netflix is some of the partnerships it has, some of the the movies that HBO would have access to. Uh, they just paid five hundred million dollars for the rights to South Park. So starting in May of 2020, if you're a huge South Park fan, which I I'm sure HBO is counting on a lot of people to be South Park fans, you will be able to get the uh, content there. Um, and then in a related story that I saw. People are starting to feel like there are just way too many streaming options now, uh, which was sort of the reason that Netflix became so popular in the first place, right? That you could get all of the content you wanted in just one place. Everything you were interested in, friends, the office, whatever it was, TV shows, movies, um, they started out as just a mail-in service, so they'd mail you DVDs. And then once they turned it into the streaming thing, it caught fire and became more and more popular. But as places start to... stagnate out and certain content lands on on different platforms disney's uh disney plus being one of the other notable ones that's coming out here in the near future i think it's coming out in just a a few days and disney actually owns hulu so if you are a streamer if you're someone that uses that for television or just entertainment if you're a binger uh whatever it is a binge tv watcher uh, Hulu and Disney partnered together because of Disney's ownership of the platform to be a really strong competitor uh, to Netflix, too. And obviously, most of these platforms started creating their own content because as they realized that paying for things from people would become more competitive and the companies that own the rights to a lot of things might start launching their own streaming service, you have to find a way to be a permanent solution in that world. So they're starting to create their own content. I have a caller on the air. Caller, you're on WJBC. What's your name? Uh, Bruce. Bruce, are you calling in to tell me what that song was? I am. Okay, you want to hear it again? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to play it for the listeners who do want to hear it. Do you not like it? No, it's, I okay. just already know what it is. That's awesome. All right. Um, well, I'll play just a split second of it then. What is that song, Bruce? Edge of 17 by Stevie Nicks. That is an awesome guess. And no, that's not the song I am playing, actually. But that is a great guess that is close it is a much more recent song, um, unless they rip that off. I don't know the song you're talking about by Stevie Nicks, but I assume it's not that. Um, but thank you for playing, man. Um, all right, back to the HBO thing, back to the Netflix thing. Uh, a lot of people do feel that we're going to get to a point where every single platform owns its own stuff and just starts to you know, uh, put out one or two or three things on their own platform, and then you still have to pay $14 or $10 or whatever it is for each individual one. But HBO would be a strong competitor in this place. Uh, Do you know what the marshmallow test is? Are you familiar with the marshmallow test? Greg, you knew. I about drove into a light pole because you told Bruce, nope, not Edge of Seventeen. What? I was playing Bootylicious by Destiny's Child, but this is what Edge of Seventeen sounds like for anyone that was also feeling like you. That is a sample. Oh, yeah, she'd come out in her concerts to this. Well, he was right, and he just immediately hung up, by the way. Uh, I don't know if you heard that, but when Bruce called in, he was like, he's wrong. This host's an idiot. He did not even stay to listen to it, but you're right. You were right, Bruce. Uh, I have another caller on the line, too. 
uh, who I'll get to in just a second. We're going to continue this game that we've been playing. And by the way, this hour, this half hour of the Craig Collins Show is sponsored by Staples. Staples gives your business more for less. At Staples, you'll find the latest tech to help you work smarter, not harder. And right now, save up to $200 on select printers. Staples, for your business printing and beyond. The sale ends in a few days. While supplies last, exclusions do apply. Uh, the U.K. gave us a study that said that you can identify a song you like very, very quickly, within a tenth of a second. And I'm going to play a song, and then I'm going to stop it. I'm going to give you quite a bit longer than a tenth of a second, and you tell me what it is. Call in. And actually, I kind of want Bruce to call back in, the, the caller who I, I erroneously said was wrong our last segment, but here's the song first. What is that song on the Craig Collins Show, WJBC? That is all you get. Call in and tell me what it is. And, Bruce, if you call in, I have a story for you why I picked this song. But first I want someone to call in and tell me what it is, uh, and I'll get to that in a second, why I picked that specific song and that specific artist. Uh, because last half hour I told Bruce that he was wrong in identifying a Stevie Nicks song, that he was right in identifying, because actually I guess Destiny's Child used it for their song, Bootylicious, which is what I thought I was playing. Um, until someone calls in to tell me what that song was, I'm going to go ahead and explain the marshmallow test to you. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this. It is a very famous or infamous psychological experiment that took place almost exactly 30 years ago today. Uh, what psychologists did is they had a group of kids participate in a study where they, they put the kids in the room and they gave them a option of a marshmallow or a pretzel and asked which one did they like more? Would you prefer a marshmallow or would you prefer a pretzel? Most kids preferred a marshmallow. They then said, okay, I'm going to put both of these options down in front of you. You cannot have them right now, but you can ring a bell if you can't wait for me to come back. If you wait until I come back into the room, you can have your preferred option. You can have the marshmallow. But if you can't wait, just ring the bell. I'll come back in, and more than likely, you're going to have to settle for the pretzel. And a lot of kids wound up being incapable of waiting. It, it tested their patience. It tested a variety of things. And the conclusions from the test were that people who were successful at waiting were likely to be more successful in life. People who could follow orders and deal with temptation appropriately were the people that were more likely than not to succeed, you know, after they grew up. Well, it's 30 years now. This, this test was 30 years ago. So two interesting things have happened in the 30 years since this marshmallow test first uh, gained notoriety. The first one, people tried to duplicate the test and gained nowhere near the same results. They had kids that were normally patient that wound up wanting uh, the candy early or the, the marshmallow early. They had all kinds of problems with duplicating the results of the study. And then the second one, they actually went back and visited with the kids in the original study. They did this 10 years after the study had happened to see what their grades were like, to see how they were doing in school. And the results were all over the place. There were no, no indication that the study actually proved anything about the children. And now 30 years later, some of the most successful kids from the study were the kids that couldn't wait. I have a caller on the air. Caller, are you there? I'm here. Uh, what's your name? Angela. Angela, what is the song that I played a little bit ago and I gave you just a few seconds of it? What is it? I'm going to go crazy train out of the Osborne. Absolutely correct. And see, I know that you're correct this time, Angela. Thank you for playing the game. I'm going to try to give out prizes and play this game more often, but this has just been for fun. Um, and are you a big fan of Ozzy's? I am. Okay. Uh, and thank you so much for calling in. I'm gonna no tell you. I'm going to tell you why I picked that. Uh, back in September, Ozzy Osbourne was sampled on a Post Malone song. 
He was, I think, even in the in the video, so he used quite a bit of the Ozzy Osbourne you know, performance and, and singing. And actually, I have a little bit of the song. The song is called Take What You Want. It's by Post Malone, and Ozzy Osbourne is a featured performer in it. And the funny thing about this song is a bunch of kids, a bunch of millennials, thought Ozzy Osbourne was a nobody. They thought Post Malone had discovered him, and a lot of people on the videos and social media were commenting, you know, Post is great, but this Ozzy Osbourne guy, he should have a career. Give Ozzy Osbourne a career. And people were congratulating Post Malone for shining a light on a guy that never made it. And the guy they were talking about was Ozzy Osbourne. Here's a little bit of that song. Ozzy's great on this song. That is that is awesome to hear Ozzy Osbourne and Post Malone do a song together. But a bunch of people thought that Post had discovered Ozzy. And now, unfortunately, I've demonstrated that I'm not a huge fan of Stevie Nicks, but I know who Destiny's Child is. And so I played a song that I thought was Destiny's Child, and apparently it's somebody named... Uh, you know what's funny about that, too, is I was a bartender at a Stevie Nicks concert. Not on purpose. I was a bartender at the Northerly Islands... Uh, area in Chicago, um, so I would do any events they had, and Stevie Nicks came through, and people were very, very excited to see her. I obviously didn't seem to care that much. I It was cool. I knew who she was, that she was a legend, but I wasn't terribly familiar with a lot of her music, but I, I went to the show, and I slinged a lot of beer places, and I guess I just missed her coming out to that very first song, Edge of Seventeen, that, that apparently she's incredibly famous for, and I had no idea about, but Bruce who called in earlier and then called back to tell me he didn't want to be mean because I'm new. I'm sorry, man. I'm so, I'm going to listen to a bunch of Stevie on my way home tonight. More Craig Collins show next. I will talk a little bit about HBO. And actually, we're going to talk about ISU and their eSports uh, division. We're going to talk about the new kind of thing they're going to do with a varsity team. You're listening to the Craig Collins show on WJBC. It is a rule the rest of the day on the Craig Collins Show. I'm going to play Fleetwood Mac or Stevie Nicks songs so that I get familiar with the Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks songs that I apparently don't know. I'm now getting comments on my Facebook page. How did you not know? That was Edge of 17. Uh, You can find me on Facebook at Craig Collins Show and yell at me, too. That's totally fine. Uh, The answer that I asked you, or the answer to the question I asked before I took a break, how many hours a day do teens spend just for entertainment purposes on their phone? Seven hours and 22 minutes a day. And tweens are not very far behind them. Those are kids aged 8 to 12 at four hours and 44 minutes a day. So by the time you're eight years old, you're spending four and a half hours a day on your phone just for entertainment, you know, just to gain, a, see a few YouTube videos, whatever it is that you're watching. You go down a, a YouTube hole, and that's, that's four and a half hours of your day every single day. And this brings up an idea that's been discussed here on the Craig Collins Show I think we should have a national holiday once a year where for an hour every person has to put down all kinds of electronics. And I love smart technology. I love electronics. I love my Apple Watch. I, so it's not, I'm not a hater, but we have to put it all down and we all have to go to a park. I don't know if there would be events there that people would hold and we could, I assume we'll all wind up talking to each other and maybe playing a game of Frisbee as a community. But I think that after a study like this shows that seven hours and 22 minutes a day of a teen's time is spent on a phone just, you know, doing whatever, and four and a half hours a 8- to 12-year-old kid spends on a phone, 
we need that national holiday. And, of course, that holiday would be brought to you by the Craig Collins Show. Um, I'm trying to get an inventor of a really cool product on this show, and I hope that we can get him on. His name is, is Rick Peskovitz, and he invented the under-the-weather pod. What is the under-the-weather pod? It is literally an individual pod, almost like a bubble, that you put around yourself whenever you're sick or whenever people around you are sick, and it is supposed to contain everything to you. According to the website, um, the Under the Weather Pod website, it is a single-person pop-up shelter that you can sit inside and walk around. So it literally cuts off at your legs. It's sort of like you're wearing a big coat, but it's a giant bubble, and it's supposed to protect you from any of the, the sicknesses that are out there. Now, back to the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. ISU is doing something really cool. They're going to have a varsity eSports team. If you don't know what eSports is, if you don't know how a team could go varsity in eSports, well, I have just the person on to tell us all about it. Don Sanner is with ISU. You are the executive director of the Campus um, Recreation and Student Fitness Center, correct, Don? That's correct. I'm executive director of Campus Direct. Yep. Awesome. And so I just saw this the other day, and I'm sure a bunch of people are excited about it because esports couldn't be more popular depending on, you know, what uh, what age range you are, I assume. I think some people might not be as familiar with it, and some younger people might be very familiar with it. But, but tell us what's going to be happening at ISU as far as esports. Well, as far as esports are going, um, at Illinois State, we're looking at um, adding a varsity team to our already existing program. We already have a group called Redbird Esports that are um, 70 to 75 people, competitive, strong. Um, there's about 550 people who are a part of the group, but we already have folks that are out competing, representing Illinois State. Right now there are 12 teams competing in five different titles, and that changes. In fact, it's changed since um, we made our announcement on Monday. We've got more students connecting, so pretty excited about the growth. Yeah, um, so there will be scholarships and things for some of these students. Is that is that how that's going to work? Right. So we are recruiting uh, individuals to be a part of our team, um, and there will be scholarships involved. But as you can imagine, we're also making sure that um, there's a focus on being successful inside and outside the classroom. That's what we do at Illinois State, trying to make sure students are um, um, connected in both ways. So. There are scholarships. We're looking at um, hiring a program director. That position is open right now. And we'll make decisions about which titles will play at the varsity level and which titles will continue to play at the club level. Very cool. So uh, I read this, that there are currently, like you said, 12 competitive teams um, playing in all different kinds of things like League of Legends and Overwatch. Um, But ISU will be the first public institution in the state to offer esports at a varsity level. Do you see this as the sort of thing that a lot of other schools will be doing uh, relatively soon, and was it important to be on the forefront of this and and make sure to be attracting students interested in this kind of thing because, you know, it's smart for colleges to catch up when when students have have interests like this. Yes, you could do the interview for me. That's exactly it. I mean, right now, at the time we originally started reviewing it, um, 145 schools were already offering varsity programs in this way. And um, actually the first institution to do it was Robert Morris University in 2014. So this is not a new phenomenon. All in our colleagues at Illinois Wesleyan have been doing it for a while as well. So, yes, we know 
that as um, the IHSA looks at this as an emerging sport and 81 high schools are already doing this type of activity, that students connecting to the institution might, if everything else um, goes the same, look at esports and having an opportunity to compete in addition to the academic program and the skills that they'll learn, this would be the place they would want to go. Okay, Donna. And from my standpoint, oh, go, ahead. Oh, sorry. go ahead. And from my standpoint, we do a lot with creating community here. So I can imagine um, that students will be interacting with our clubs before they get here or as soon as they're trying to make a decision about an institution and then have that connection when they arrive on campus. So there are all sorts of things around leadership development and academic success, but I'm just excited to see it happen. <laughs> a couple more questions for you, uh, and then I'll let you go. Yeah. First, do you play yeah. any games? Has anyone uh, gotten you into anything esports related? Um, I have been watching League of Legends, and although I'm not playing yet, uh, I love watching it. I've become a Twitch fanatic. Um, much to my husband's demise, but <laughs> we are having a lot of fun learning the games and how they work together. I was at a conference recently where they told me that there were more women over 50 playing games than there are kids under 18, and that caught me off guard, but I realized that as I play Solitaire and Candy Crush, and hmm, maybe perhaps I am a gamer, but not <laughs> in the eSport realm. That's funny, yeah. It's the the phone gets you first, right? The phone first pulls you into those games, and then you're all of a sudden playing on an Xbox till two thirty in the morning. Uh, how do you deal with the conversations when maybe a kid's eyes light up when he's talking to you about the fact that this is a varsity level thing in college now, and um, you know he can come to ISU and and focus on it as a career? And the parents are like, "Wait, I thought he was just playing video games. This is real." Do you have those conversations with parents often? Yeah, well, not yet. I see that coming in the future, but I will tell you that um, I've had the opportunity to work with the young people who are participating here, and this is their passion. This is what connects them to other individuals, and, and this is where they connect uh, for fun. And so to see the university recognize in this way, in such an exciting way, that this is a deal, and um, they are excited about having that happen, but yeah. It is amazing to me that, um, that parents, I think, in some cases get excited about what their children are excited about. Right. And in finding a way to connect uh, the campus and make for a successful transition, well, they'll tell the story. I'm looking forward <laughs> to telling it. I mean, it's, it's just crazy to think that we've gotten to a point where people are winning $7 million playing video games from a recent Fortnite uh, tournament and that schools are very smart to get in on this because, as you said, it's mm -hmm. it's a passion for the students and, and any parents that don't get it, any parents right now that your kid just got home from school and he immediately went to the to the game console to start playing, I'm not telling you how to parent your kids, but just know he might be scholarship worthy someday in the future if you let him keep playing. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Don. It was a pleasure to talk to you. I, I hope to talk to you more about some of the other things going on on campus. Is there anything else real quick that you wanted to mention before I let you go? No, okay. I appreciate the time and energy on this one. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's exciting. I'm I'm a gamer, if you can't yeah. tell. I'm a younger guy and a gamer, so I like the fact that schools are now. I wish this had happened when I was in school, though. Can I come back? 
Maybe I can enroll uh, Yes, you can. Okay. As a matter of fact, come on back. There's a number of academic programs that are coming up because of this. So, you know, you could start a second career. It's never too late. There we go. Okay, that sounds great. I just told my bosses that I'm going into eSports, so who knows how long I'm doing this radio thing. Thank you again to Don <laughs> Sanner. Uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you. I look forward to talking to you again soon. More Craig Collins Show next. Ah, the great Stevie Nicks, one of my favorite, favorite artists of all time, Stevie Nicks. I love Stevie Nicks so, so much. I would never uh, not recognize a Stevie Nicks song, or I might have done that much earlier in the show. Uh, all right, I have a couple things for you real quick here, and then we got to take another break because I love being behind on breaks. That's just a thing that I also do. Um, <laughs> by the way, this half hour of the show, uh, the Craig Collins Show, is sponsored by Account Temps. Overworked, understaffed, facing unexpected turnover, Account Temps provides highly skilled temporary professionals exactly when you need them most. From payroll managers and bookkeepers to senior accountants, Account Temps, a Robert Half company, thank you for sponsoring this half hour of the show. And I wonder if they're Stevie Nicks fans. Um, if you're thinking about dating and you're thinking about dating someone from a different country, I have a set of, of rules that you might want to go by. Uh, depending on who it is, what country they're from, or maybe where you're visiting. If you want to just go out on a date with someone and you're traveling abroad, uh, there are some interesting differences in how we date depending on where we're from. Uh, one of the first ones is about PDA. Uh, in the United States, you'll certainly have all different kinds of, of feelings about public displays of affection, but if you're in Japan or Korea, this is considered very, very rude. This is not the kind of thing that you should do in public, and actually, if you're in Saudi Arabia or an Arabic country, people have been arrested for kissing in public. So just a warning there that if you're traveling to any of those countries, maybe make sure to keep the PDA to yourself. Um, as far as a lack of PDA being considered cold, though, there's several countries that, that go the exact opposite way. In Central and South America, it is considered a cultural custom to kiss someone on the cheek when greeting them. And so you often find romantic partners out and about kissing each other without any sort of of embarrassment publicly because it's just one step from what they're they're used to doing with everyone they know so depending on what country you're in it actually can be considered cold to not uh display affection publicly and actually that's a funny one because my wife is from mexico and she when we first started dating was confused as to why i was not more affectionate in public and and i had to talk to her about that i'm like you know it's just not something i'm used to and you guys are quite a bit different there uh who pays for dinner if you're in the United States, there's certainly a debate right now as to, you know, who should pay for dinner. But if you're in South Korea, it is considered rude to split the bill as friends if it's a romantic partner. You actually determine who pays for dinner by whoever makes more money. So it's not always the man or the woman. It's whichever person in the relationship is making more pays for meals all the time if you're in a romantic relationship. As far as wedding dates go... Here in the United States, if you're invited to a wedding, it, there's a lot of pressure to make sure that you have a date. Going stag is looked at a certain way, I think. But if you're in the U.K., the expectation is that everyone who attends the wedding is single, or most people that attend the wedding uh, are single, uh, or at least not in very committed relationships, go alone, because they want people to mingle. So that's the way it works there. Um, in Europe, it is especially, uh, there's a, a few more rules about kissing these are companies like poland and germany specifically kissing on a date is not something to take lightly at all if you kiss someone that is supposed to you know convey to them that you'd like to be in a serious relationship so it's not the kind of thing with the end of a first date you're kissing in uh, in poland and germany as far as dates for what kind of food you take someone out in the u.s certainly you've heard take them out somewhere fancy if you want to impress a date 
Well, you do the exact opposite if you were in Sweden because they believe in something called practice dates, which they call uh, uh, fika. I hope I said that right. In which you take someone to just a pastry shop, a, cof- a coffee joint, maybe out for a little bit of Taco Bell, because you're getting to know a person, so there's no expectation to take them anywhere fancy. And then finally, if you want to show up fashionably late to a date, that's fine. I just hope you're not dating someone from Germany, because in Germany, time is considered to be very, very valuable. So if you show up late, that would be incredibly rude, and you'd be very unlikely to have someone sitting and waiting around for you if you're going on a date out there. So just a couple cool dating customs and how they're different between cultures. I want to talk a little bit about a Pirates of the Caribbean reboot, which is coming out, and Deadspin is in the news for an interesting reason after this on The Craig Collins Show. Now, back to The Craig Collins Show on WJBC. All right, I got about 30 seconds till we've got to get to news. Uh, Stevie Nicks, you're doing great today. I'm, you're my, I'm your biggest fan now. Uh, the creator of Chernobyl, if you've seen that show on HBO, which is a very emotional show, has been hired to reboot Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm just afraid they're going to go, like, dark with it, you know, because the Chernobyl guys were so good at, at being emotional, and certainly the story they picked was an emotional one. And so to to connect these people to the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, which for whatever reason certainly got stagnant there at the end, but was cool quite a few years ago when it first started, I just don't want to see, like, an origin story of, you know, Johnny Depp's character that's dark and ominous and, you know, Captain Jack Sparrow really has a troubled past. That's the last thing I want to see. It's news time with Neil, then more Craig Collins Show next. It's that time each week I'm going to have my wife come on and review The Voice, her absolute favorite show on television. Is that right, Betty? The Voice is your favorite show? Yes, it is. And the reason why is you like the coaches a lot, especially Blake Shelton, right? Yes, I do like Blake Shelton a lot. Why do you like Blake so much? Because he's pretty funny. He's, like, just pretty ridiculous all the time. And plus, he thinks <laughs> out very nice. <laughs> okay, so uh, tell me this week you saw the show. Uh, I think there were some surprising people eliminated, including, and I'll get to this in a second, a local person. Uh, her name is Melinda Rodriguez. She is an adjunct profe- uh, assistant professor at Illinois Wesleyan here uh, in Bloomington. But, Betty, what did you think of this week's this week's episodes? Well, I haven't finished the two episodes so far, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy that one of my favorites is still, like, um, singing on the show. Um, her name is uh, Katie Hayden. I don't know if I say her last name right. Probably. But, uh, he, he, I mean, she is pretty, pretty cool. She's from Chicago, actually. Uh, and then uh, she sang this, um, I mean, the, yesterday she sang this Jenny Joplin song. Oh, and, yeah? Uh, yes, uh, which is also one of, my, one of my favorite songs ever. Yeah, I and forgot so how I much you liked it. I got super excited. Yeah, um, I was like, I cannot believe that the person that I like in The Voice is singing one of my favorite songs. So it was kind of cool. And, um, um, yeah, it's been a fun week then for The Voice for you. You're not finished yet. You're still you're catching up on Hulu then, I assume. Yes. Okay. I'm still have some issues with the internet. I don't know why. Well, going. yeah, we have some issues at the house. Uh, so then, have you seen Melinda Rodriguez yet? She's one of the contestants, or have you not seen her yet? Yeah, I, I see her. Could you believe her story? She told a story to Taylor Swift about her brother who was going through a heart transplant operation that day, the day that she met Taylor yes. Swift for their um, yeah. their coaching session. And she said that they're both huge fans of Taylor Swift. And her brother said, please don't go to my operation. I, I expect everything to be OK. Please go meet. 
Taylor Swift if that's who it's going to be. And they didn't at the time know who the mega, you know, coach of the season would be. And so when uh, this person from Bloomington walked out and saw her, she sort of broke down and told them that incredible story about how her brother and her were huge fans, and that's the reason. And uh, the thing I thought was most powerful about that from Melinda is when she said her brother begged her to go and not be with him at the hospital because selfishly for him, he wanted her to meet Taylor Swift so that maybe someday he could beat Taylor Swift too, I assume. I don't think that was said in the episode. But how powerful of a moment was that, Betty? Well, I don't know. To be honest, I'm a... a a family person, and even though in my, if I if I step in her shoes, my brother telling me like, "Don't be here, just go." And because he's show. such a I, big fan, Betty. He he wants her I, to meet I feel, but yeah. I don't know. I I just wouldn't leave my leave my 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 brother in the hospital at all. Okay. I mean, even though uh, it's it's my my own opinion. She's a great singer, and if she has that confidence to like in the future, she can like uh, make it. Yeah. And of course, probably she would do it because she's great. Well, but I, I don't know. Personally, I wouldn't leave my brother. This is, that's, it's funny to hear your take on that, Betty, because I almost had her in today as a surprise guest, but I think she's planning on coming on the show tomorrow so I can meet her and talk to her. And I don't think I'm going to share with her your opinion of, of, of what. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> well, but well, okay, you, you are. You, you are a family you person for sure. It. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure that her brother's okay, so. So, really, it was just her honoring his wishes. Uh, but Betty would have liked to go to the hospital. That's good. Okay, it's that time, too, where we get your NFL picks for each week, Betty. Unless you wanted to share uh, something else about The Voice. Is there anything else about The Voice that you saw that you want to tell me? No. I mean, I was surprised that she's out because she's, she's great. She's, she's a great singer. But it, it is a show. So Someone has to win. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, some of the people who get, like, four chairs turned you were talking about the other day yeah. wind up getting eliminated early on in the show, which is... It's sort of a weird component, but The Voice, great show on NBC Monday and Tuesday nights. Betty loves it, and Betty just wants to let you know that she would not leave her brother in the in the hospital. All right, um, <laughs> what games do you want to pick this week? Do you want me to give you some options, and then you tell me what teams? Last week, you sure. did beat Sam. Sam is a, yeah. a sports expert um, who agreed with you on two picks and disagreed with you on one. You guys both got those two picks wrong, but you got the pick that he disagreed with disagreed with you on right so you win you're one and oh now in this craig collins show nfl pick game so would you like to pick between tampa bay and seattle okay of course i pick tampa okay and why because your family is there or oh, i mean part of your family <laughs> your uncle john his kids yes they love Yes. So, yes, I pick Tampa. Okay, my family's. I've, you know, I've noticed this is new for listeners here, but this is the second year you're doing it for me on a radio station. I've noticed that you pick the same team. If I give you a team that I, I sort of know, I, you're going to go with them all the time. How about Kansas City and Tennessee? Uh, oh, my God. This one is difficult. Um, Tennessee, I guess. Okay. All right. That's actually a couple weeks out, so we're going to save that pick. Let's go over here and maybe Chicago again versus Philadelphia. Do you want it? They burned you last week. Do you want to pick them again? Um, yes, I, I would say with Chicago. <laughs> Let's have a little bit of faith on them. Okay. And then one more pick. You can pl- pick between Buffalo, New York, and Washington. Who do you pick in that one? New York. You're picking Buffalo. It's not New York City. You've never been to Buffalo. You're going to pick Buffalo? Yes, Buffalo. And that's because you like New York City so much? Yes. 
These are expert picks, people, on the Craig Collins Show from Betty Collins. You've done a great job. You're 0-1 right now in this competition. A listener. Um, go ahead. I'm having my, uh, my lucky charm in my pocket. So hopefully <laughs> what's your, I, I get some right. What's your lucky charm? It's a little stone. <laughs> really? Where'd you get it? Where'd you, what are you talking about? What lucky charm? Uh, some of my professors at school gave it to me. Really? I've yeah, never, I've you. never heard this. Are you? I have heard this story. Actually, I do. I have a story to get to later that uh, couples think that the other person in the relationship has selective hearing. Do you think I have selective hearing? Uh, maybe. It yes, means that I yes. don't listen all the time. I only listen when I want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I yeah. have that. All right, Betty. Well, great job on the picks this week. I hope that uh, your you. voice contestants keep getting on, and I hope you finish the show. Uh, and I look forward to talking to you next week, and and that we can have a a listener text in. You will win a prize. If you beat Betty in her weekly NFL picks. All right, Betty, I got to talk to you later. I got to run. And I call you Babers, by the way. Last week I called you Honey, and you yelled at me when I got home because we have a a special nickname for each other. We call each other Babers. So I'll talk to you later at home, Babers, all right? All right. Thank you, Craig, for having me. (laughs) No problem, Betty. All right, more Craig Collins Show next. This is the Craig Collins Show on WJBC, and that is Stevie Nicks, of course. Obviously that is Stevie Nicks. I would never think that that wasn't Stevie Nicks. Uh, my mom has weighed in on this, by the way. Uh, my mother heard me talking about how I didn't know that that was a Stevie Nicks song. I thought it was a Destiny's Child song because I guess they sampled it. She said, it, I take responsibility for the Stevie Nicks issue. She was on very few of those 70s hit CDs that I played all the time through her childhood. Had it been ABBA, I would have nailed it because my mother played more ABBA than any human can ever possibly play. I heard a tremendous amount of ABBA. But yeah, she was uh, she was not on the playlist, I guess. Uh, Deadspin is in the news today for an interesting reason. Deadspin is a website. I don't know if you've been there uh, before, if it's a website you go to often. It predominantly covers sports, but they do, from time to time, hit on other things. And I guess there was an edict sent down from the corporate ownership people at Deadspin telling people to stick to sports, to stop writing stories about other things. Uh, Deadspin does like to break news kind of like tmz uh so they've written about quite a few different things and certainly given us uh valuable information well beyond the sports world but the edict now was to cover sports and sports only their deputy editor was fired yesterday because he disobeyed them blatantly and he said that you know he was very upset with the way in which they were unilaterally deleting posts they were criticizing um you know the way in which certain things were going on there and he just didn't seem to agree with that decision. This came after one of the other bosses at Deadspin was also fired because she had similar issues with the fact that they uh, they seemed to resist that edict that for whatever reason, and I, I understand both sides of this a little bit. I, I think that if it were a corporate decision to steer away from some stories for risk of any kind of lawsuit or responsibility or liability, then maybe it makes sense. But at the same time, if you're a journalist and some of the people who work at Deadspin, I would think, consider themselves actual journalists. You want to write about real things. Uh, in response to that, uh, you know, order from corporate coming down, Deadspin actually published a whole bunch of articles in a very short time that had nothing to do with sports. Some of them being three good dogs I met was one of the stories that they published. It's absolutely fine to boo Donald Trump at the World Series, which I guess is tangentially connected to sports. There are only two acceptable wedding dress codes. This came out right after that was put down. Um, There's quite a few different stories that they had hit the Internet all at the same time that had really nothing to do with sports. And 
They just wanted to fight back. So it's an interesting story now, and I don't know what the future is for that website. But, you know, uh, I can guess I can kind of see both sides a little bit. But if corporate tells you to do something, I know you're supposed to do it. I'm supposed to take a commercial here, so I'm doing it. You're listening to The Greg Collins Show on WJBC. This is The Craig Collins Show on WJBC. Uh, WJBC. You like that, Betty? Um, so I saw this story today, and I, I kind of think it's great when local news takes on an issue that maybe you wouldn't see at a national scale, although maybe you would see this at a national scale because it's just a weird story. Um, a woman out of Richmond, this is Richmond, Virginia, uh, went to her local news to tell them about a sidewalk that she has at her house that was stolen. Yes, a si- the entire side of her walkway it was gone. She went to work one day, came back, and it seemed like people had stripped it, and she thought, okay, maybe that's the city replacing sidewalks or my sidewalk for some reason. Uh, but no, they, months later, this happened in September. She still has no sidewalk, and she's completely confused as to why. And I want to play you some of the dazzling news coverage out of Virginia because I thought it was interesting. There are puns, just a warning. This is local news, and they are they are a little pun happy while they're talking to her. Constance Juan, you guys may remember this. Back in the day, we used to ask, it's 11 o'clock, do you know where your child is? Well, tonight I'm asking, it's 11 o'clock, do you know where your sidewalk is? Because the homeowner here hasn't seen hers in over a month since someone came here and took it without any notice. An empty walkway. Are you angry? Yes. Yes, I am. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I'm very angry. Someone stole my sidewalk. Uh, They continue to talk to her about it. It's just, it's interesting to me. I I don't want to subject you to to all of the news uh, coverage of it. I'll just do it myself. But uh, it's interesting to me that it took her over a month to report this to anyone and that she turned to local news. Although it's a it's a cool thing. Your local news, us here, the TV stations locally, will talk about issues that that come up in your own lives if they're if they're as crazy as this one. So you know that's sort of what the magic of that is. But she her sidewalk is just gone. I don't. I my suspicion is that it's an ex. That's what I think it is. I think it's someone a jilted lover that is very very upset with her. Didn't know what to do to get her back for the... And I'm just making all this up, by the way. Full warning, none of this is covered in the news story, and I'm just going on my own little imagination uh, run here. But I think that maybe the ex didn't have a better idea, so like, you know what I'm going to do? And maybe they even worked on the sidewalk. It would make more sense if maybe early on in a relationship with these fake people that I'm making up, he fixed her sidewalk, and then she broke up with him, so he took it back. But she has no idea what happened. Her sidewalk is just gone. Uh, a couple other things to talk about. The eggplant and peach emoji will now be restricted on Facebook and Instagram. I don't terribly want to explain why. I don't know if there are kids in the car that you can earmuff the situation, but they have been banned from use in certain situations on Facebook. Let's call them more of the adult situations because those emojis, I guess, are quite popular to convey some of those things. And actually, that leads me to another story that I wanted to talk about that I had talked about off the air today and some of the reactions to it off the air. I don't know if that story's radio appropriate. I don't know if this needs to be discussed, but I, I think it's interesting. So I, I want to, it's in CNBC.com today. It's actually quite a few places in the last few days. Uh, they're talking about a recession going on in our society that's not money. The recession is an intimacy recession. That's the word I'll use on the air. And apparently the threat is real enough 
that is impacting all kinds of things. It's impacting real estate sales. It's impacting the way in which, you know, the regular consumer was targeted before and going out and purchasing certain things. The the amount of, of fear that some uh, analysts have in looking at this seem to say that it's it's a, a serious thing. And what is it? Well, the intimacy issues are for younger Americans who were born during the the recession of the early 2000s, and they seem to be skittish when it comes to being in relationships that are serious, um, doing certain things in said relationships that might, you know, put more people on this planet. And uh, they also struggle a little bit in the whole marriage world. So it's interesting to read. And, and one of the other causes listed here in this study is there's a lot more technology now than had existed in the past. And maybe a certain number of people are are capable of, of foregoing a relationship because of technology but yeah we're in the middle of a very scary recession that we need to improve and i wonder if maybe there's ways and ideas people could send us to improve this is there is there ways to bring romance to younger americans who are for whatever reason fearful of of more serious relationships uh, by the way these these things that we've noticed in the economy that are impacted go all the way to like apparel uh, that people buy certain preventative things that people buy they're just not getting purchased anymore and it's hurting quite a few different areas of business so whatever we can do to figure it out uh, and I, I am a millennial and i always resent the millennials screwed up something else but when this is what we're we're not doing right i think maybe we need to have a solution in place more craig collins show next i've got a few more things to talk about today including how a woman thought that her her ex a boyfriend of hers had sadly been killed only to find him working at a restaurant later, he made up an elaborate story to break up with her and faked his own death. That is a, that's a road I never had to go. In a, oh, by the way, it is text your ex day today. So if you have an ex that maybe you didn't get along with, maybe today's the right day to send them a message and say, hey, I'm sorry, I faked my death that one time. This is the Craig Collins Show. I only have about 10 more minutes with you, and then we'll go on to news, and uh, Dave Ramsey comes on after that. Um, but I wanted to tell this story. It is... National Text Your X Day today, and the New York Post covers a story that just seems crazy as you read it, um, and I just teased it a second ago, but a woman named Rachel, and uh, the New York Post is withholding her last name for several reasons, uh, she's out of Australia, has a crazy encounter with an ex. She thought um, that, and she says, she quoted in this story as saying, it was stupid in retrospect, but you don't really have any questions, any reason to ask any questions um, her, the guy's mother, his name is Alistar, told Rachel one day that her boyfriend had been killed by a gang of bikers. There was never a funeral for the guy. She never had any other conversations. But um, the mom of her boyfriend called and said, I'm so sorry to inform you. Your boyfriend has been killed by bikers. And obviously, you know, you're not in a relationship anymore. And Rachel mourned her, her ex for two years and then she was sitting one day at a local restaurant with a friend when she remembered that Alistar's brother worked at that restaurant. So she grabbed one of the waiters and said, hey, I wonder if maybe you could send over uh, this person that I know. And the waiter responded back, well, he's not here. It's his day off. But would you like to talk to his only brother, Alistar? And the woman went into shock, she says. She had no idea how to, how to handle anything. Uh, she's quoted as saying, next thing I know, manager's over here asking me, is there a problem? And Rachel would like to say, of course there's a problem. Apparently there were financial stakes as well. 
Rachel was 21 when she started dating Alistar, who was only 18 at the time. She said he was a really attentive, nice, um, you know, a little bit odd guy, but she thought that they had a good relationship. And then one day he came home and said he had broken his hand at a nightclub and needed to borrow $1,000. Rachel gives her boyfriend $1,000, and then a couple weeks later, he's gone. They break up, and he's he's been killed by bikers, according to his mom. The guy got his mom to lie to his ex-girlfriend. I can't imagine what text your ex day is for Rachel today if she shoots a text to Alistar and what she would say. But, man, this was a crazy, crazy story in the New York, Times, New York Post today that I just couldn't believe. Um, also, and I like this story a bit, just mostly because of the headline, a guy at a certain type of beach, you know the beach, the one where not as many swim trunks are used, uh, he was riding in a golf cart and got in a crash, and he was only a little bit injured, he's okay, but he wasn't wearing a helmet, obviously. So the title of this story is, guy at one of those places gets injured in car crash because, of course, uh, no helmet. Um, and also, I wonder if you'd be willing to take an air taxi. Air taxi startups are becoming more and more popular. People are wondering who will invest in them. Forbes today was talking about how automakers might wind up investing in air taxis. These are exactly what you think they are. They kind of look like cars, but they're capable of flight. And the idea is to have automated taxis fly us to our destinations. And if places like Uber and Lyft or automakers get involved in these sort of things, this could be the evolution in travel, not just flight, but automated flight. I thought that was pretty interesting today. Uh, one last one. If you'd like $10,000 from a foundation, the only thing you have to do for the George Kaiser Family Foundation to give you ten grand is move to Tulsa. So if you're willing to move to Tulsa, you could be $10,000 richer. I was surprised that a lot of people here in the, in the office didn't seem to think that was enough for Tulsa. I've never been, but if you're paying me ten grand, i will at least consider it. All right, more Craig Collins Show after this break. Have you ever taken part in like a bonding exercise, whether it's at work, at school, something where, you know, you're supposed to get to meet new colleagues or maybe meet people in the office that you don't interact with every single day? And these are all quirky, crazy kind of things. They're not usually, you know, the normal stuff we do. Two, two, two truths and a lie, if I can say it, is one that I, I remember quite a bit happening, especially in school, where you essentially give two truths and a lie about yourself. And then the people that don't know you that well have to guess which one of those things is a lie. Uh, well, Japan is in a lot of trouble for a version of a bonding exercise that they do in school because they've had a tremendous amount of in injuries while doing it. They call it the human pyramid. Students are encouraged to get together and find ways with teamwork and endurance to build as large a pyramid of possible by stacking themselves on top of one another. Uh, since 2015, there have been several injuries. Up to 157 male students have been injured. Broken bones are the most likely thing to be injured. Trainers should have considered the height of the formations and the total weight of the participants as people were stacking up on each other. But essentially, guys at the bottom of the pyramid started to get pretty seriously injured uh, because of these these things that were going on in school. This is Japan. I, I couldn't imagine going to school in Japan now. I, I know that they're... You know, curriculum is usually pretty hard, and the way that they push students is pretty tough, but they also make them stack into as high of a pyramid as possible. And if you have smart enough kids in the class to know, oh, no, we got to spread out real far, and we'll stack up a lot higher, those smart kids just injured a bunch of people. I mean, if it were only like three of us stacked in each other, it would be fine. But, yeah, 
This is interesting. Up to $8,000 in, in accidents have, have happened in just the last couple years uh, in Japan because of a, a bonding exercise. I, I think they might want to try two truths and a lie there in Japan. That's my suggestion for them. I don't know if you heard this, but Bill Murray applied to a P.F. Chang's in an Atlanta airport. He just submitted an application. He'd like to work there. Um, Bill Murray, if you don't know or don't care, uh, is the kind of quirky guy that loves to do these sort of real, everyday, regular human things. He actually has an amazing quote um, about fame. He says that if in the first two years of being famous you don't become a complete jerk, and he uses a very different word, but if in the first two years you you somehow resist uh, tipping over into that world, you will never become one. And the exact opposite is true, that if in the first two years of fame you become, you know, completely unreasonable and a diva, then that's the person you're going to be for the rest of time. But Bill Murray certainly avoided that. He's the kind of guy that that goes to house parties at college schools. Uh, There's a great documentary, actually, on Netflix all about that, The Crazy Life of Bill Murray. He is incredibly hard to contact, by the way. Even people who book him for movies have to get, like, a cell phone number from a friend of a friend and then leave a message, and then Bill Murray may or may not call you back. So he's a... He's an interesting guy who really now wants to work at a P.F. Chang's in an Atlanta airport. Uh, one last thing before I get out of here today. Uh, the first year since 2014, if you haven't noticed, that Starbucks doesn't have a special Halloween drink. Yes, they have the pumpkin spice latte for the fall, but just like those crazy unicorn concoctions or uh, you know Christmas things that they do, these crazy mixed drinks, for whatever reason, Starbucks this year just didn't, didn't Put one out. Uh, I don't know if you remember the werewolf frappuccino from the from last year, but they used to make drinks for every single holiday, including right now for Halloween. And maybe it's just people complaining about all sorts of things, or or maybe it's the calories in those drinks. I love Starbucks, and if you look up the calories in a unicorn drink, it's not going to be a fun day. You're not going to feel good about that choice. It's sort of like the cake shake from Portillo's if you've had it. I love the cake shake. But you shouldn't have those daily. That can't be healthy. All right, news, then Dave Ramsey on WJBC.